Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It's great to be back here with everyone. Hope all are, hope everyone is doing fine out there. It is uh, week three of OTAs for the Commanders, the third and final week of OTAs ahead of next week's mandatory veteran men in camp. This is still the voluntary section for the team. Uh, the media will be out there on Wednesday. Um, I've been under the weather the last few days, so we'll see if I'm able to get out there or not. But despite that, I wanted to make sure I got a podcast out to everyone. Um, and so uh, I had a conversation with my guy, Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington. We took a look at some position rooms um, and some potential battles coming up, but we did it sort of from the bottom up. We kind of looked at, we played a little game called Instead of the, uh, you know, there's the, uh, what is it, the genealogy uh, thing out there, 23andMe. Uh, we did a game called 53 or C'est La Vie. <laughs> um, so we, we talked about some position rooms from that perspective. And, you know, we bounced around, obviously, on a bunch of different topics. We talked about the running backs. We talked about the offensive line, the, de- the defensive line, and a bunch of other uh, stuff. So a fun conversation. You can check that out here in just a moment uh, with myself and Pete Haley, who is at Pete Haley, H-A-L-H-A-I-L-E-Y-N-B-C-S on Twitter. Um, so hang on for that. Um, what else can I tell you? It's been obviously pretty, you know, somewhat quiet here in these parts over the last a few days in terms of any uh, specific news. There was, though, however, on Monday, uh, the announcement from the team that they're going to have, that they announced their different themes for different games, home games, this season, and you can obviously check that out on, on their website I, and so on. But a couple things to note that I think stand out from a longer-term perspective. On August 13th, they're going to announce their new fight song, I don't know this, but, I mean, you got to imagine it's going to be some kind of hail to the commanders, right? Using, I mean, we've already gone through a lot of change with this team. So keeping something of normalcy with the the, the tune would seem to go a long way towards making people feel better about the world. You just got to change up some words here and there as needed. So that's just the thought on my part. I would imagine others feel the same, but, you know, as we know, you never know for sure what's going to happen around here. In addition, they're going there's going to be a new mascot reveal that's going to come at the end of the season, I believe it's January 1st. Now, it is simultaneous to when the team is going to be honoring the Hogs. I mean, you got to kind of assume again that it seems that's a kind of foreshadowing perhaps of what the mascot may be. Um, you know, I've said before if I was going to have, you know, if I was given the Seder to name the team, Red Hogs would have been a good way to go. So, Perhaps this is a way for the team to connect to the past as well in a, in a mascot way. We will see. We've got time on that and a bunch of other cool things uh, along the way. There's a, a Sean, another Sean Taylor uh, a, a celebration as well. So you can check all that out over on the team website. I wrote on Friday. Um, I did sort of a, a different. I, I, I sort of gave some thoughts on how some of the players were not talking about a ton. Um, in, in podcast, in print, in anywhere, uh, how they've been sh- uh, looking so far in camp include guys like Bobby McCain, um, the two starting, the, the, all the starting interior guards, 
etc. A um, bunch of other guys as well. So you can check that out over on The Athletic. Um, all right, let's just get into this here. Fun conversation with Pete Haley. We looked at a bunch of raw, uh, position rooms sort of from the bottom up. We'll get to that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Joining me as promised, you know, he's one of the go-to guys on the Commander's Beat, part of the, what do you guys now call the Washington Commander's Talk Commanders Talk Podcast? I should have looked this up, but you guys have changed the name so many times. It is still the Washington Football Talk Podcast, and we had a name change in the works, and then I think lawyers maybe had to get involved to make sure it was set, and it's kind of just faded away into the ether. It's out of my control. So okay. we're still the Washington Football Talk Podcast. All right, the Washington Football Talk Podcast, which I actually, I, not actually, I did listen to the other day, but like it's by rote. Like I just, I didn't, I, I didn't even think like, wait, what is it actually called now? Um, yeah. Anyway, here he is, the guy, the guy that carries J.P. Finley and Mitch Tischler. He is Pete mm-hmm. Haley. Uh, Pete, I appreciate you coming here to to partake in my shenanigans here on the podcast. Uh, we're gonna have a little fun here. We're gonna play a little game called. I originally pitched this to Pete as. Because uh, back in the day when I had a, a different website, uh, when when Lloyd Carrington, if anybody remembers that guy, had like a big day in like rookie minicamp, he went up, made a couple big interceptions and like, oh, who's this guy? And then he kind of, you know, we don't, I'm not sure where he is anymore at this point in time. He didn't make the team. We were going to play a game of is this guy Lloyd Carrington or is this guy Danny Johnson as a way to look at the bottom of the roster? Um, we, we've made an editorial change. We're now going to go from that to instead of doing 23 and me, we're going to do more like 53 and say la vie. We- I mean, both just so obscure, but uh, I love the name you've come up with and I wouldn't want to spend my Friday afternoon doing anything else. You know, Lloyd Carrington. Yes, that's a that's a name that even the most sick Washington fans probably don't know. But I was hanging out on the sidelines one day heard Scott McLuhan tell somebody else, keep an eye out on whatever number Carrington was wearing that day. And I wrote it up for your website and we had a good laugh. And then he immediately uh, just turned it back into Lloyd Carrington and not uh, Darrell Revis. And we've never heard from him again, but at, at least we can carry on his legacy through this kind of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So we're going to, we're going to do that. It's the game we're going to play, but first off, I guess just let me just, you know, again welcome you back to the podcast how are you doing we're, we we've made it through two weeks of otas uh i'll be honest with you this last one was a scorcher i wasn't feeling so hot afterwards so i don't know how i'm still like sunburnt all over the place uh how, how are you doing through two weeks of ota are you feeling commander's fever out there as, as they're getting ready for the season here well, you said you weren't feeling too hot after this most recent one. I think the issue was you were feeling very hot after the most recent one. Um, you were, you were next uh, in front of me in the media workroom. And normally I'm the one goofing off and you're the one trying to work. This time it was you were the one goofing off. I was the one trying to work. And I could tell it's just you were you had some heat exhaustion. And I don't blame you because it was a million degrees. However, through two weeks, I think it's been fun. Um, still have plenty of questions about the defense. I'm not going to make any grand proclamations about the offense because I've fallen into that trap before of getting super excited over a May or June development. But I think Carson Wentz certainly adds all the things we expected him to add over Taylor Heineke and Jahan Dotson. All the discussion about him being so polished and so prepared is absolutely true. The guy looks like he's played in the NFL already before. So there's been positive developments, but nothing so shocking or so standout that um, my prediction or projections for this team have drastically changed one way or another. 
right? I always preface like whatever I say is no matter what I say, massive grains of salt for OTAs, good, bad. It's just, it's an, they're experimenting. They're trying new things. I, I don't even really have any like massive takes on my last episode. I did talk about Jahan Dotson a bit that he kind of stood out. Um, you know, it's interesting to see like a Benjamin St. Juice playing slot corner when he was strictly outside last year. But other than that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a slow burn work in progress. Um, we'll see. We'll, 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 we'll see what, we'll see what this week goes. One more week of OTAs and minicamp. Um, but here's, but based on what we're about to do, we're about to break the internet. This is a way to like pay attention to other names that are not getting all the attention. There's no, you know, whether we talk about Carson Wentz or Chase Young or others, it'll be tangential. They are not the focus. The focus on the, or on the guys you don't know more or less. Or at least they're not yeah. the bigger names. All right, are you ready yeah. for are you ready for some madness? Yeah, I think this, like you said, break the internet. Kim Kardashian, all of, all those celebrities. It's time for them to step aside. It's Ben and Pete's uh, chance to just blow this effing thing up. But th- th- there you go. If we're gonna go with anonymous guys, right? I think there's no there's no better way to go than go with offensive linemen, because there's nobody more anonymous than uh, than offensive linemen. Um, and, and the guy I want to focus on is he's he's a rookie you've probably heard of this one he's a draft pick chris paul the seventh round pick out of tulsa uh you know some of the pre-draft conversation suggests that some people think washington got some decent value here based on pre-draft uh estimations of where guys would go um they overhauled their interior line in a lot of ways with obviously two new starting guards plus west schweitzer sadiq charles is still around but then you also have the center situation with Case Rie and Tyler Larson dealing with injuries. You got Keith Ishmael, everybody's favorite John Toth is still around. So there's like a decent amount of guys battling sort of for those last, you know, one or two spots. Chris Paul, is he a, uh, I don't know what we're calling it. I, gotta, I guess I don't know what the definitive answer is, but is it more, yeah, is it more like 53 or more like, say, La Vie? What do you think? I think he's closer to 53. He has the coveted versatility that this team loves. I mean, he played everywhere except one of the tackle spots, I believe at college. So he can move around a ton. We know John Matsko has the credibility. Um, You put any offensive lineman in front of him, you have to feel good that he's going to figure out a way to make them better. Now you always hear about rookie linemen needing to put on strength. I think that's the case for Paul, Uh, Sam Cosme and his press conference said that was one thing he focused on this past off season. So Paul is going to have to make sure he gets stronger not get pushed around, but I do think he's got a chance at the 53, especially because, you know, like I said, I won't do this again, but OTAs, you can't make any great observations. That's the asterisk for this whole episode. Sadiq Charles to me has looked very rough, spent a lot of time on his back. And I think someone like that could be a little bit uh, old news in favor of Chris Paul, who is younger and maybe you can feel better about his upside down the road. Yeah, in the 53 projection I did uh, the other day on The Athletic, I assume you've already done an insanely one too early, and I'm I'm kidding because nobody should do one. I just used it as a way to sort of talk about the team, and I think I was something to do. I have Chris Paul on the team, not based because I'm watching him playing and he's the next Russ Graham. I'm just looking at the, you know, typically they're keeping their draft picks. Almost all the draft picks make the team's make this team this year what's interesting though to me about this one on that level is so i have nine offensive linemen currently that could go to 10 i i sometimes like keeping 10 but for the argument take nine 
three tackles, and then six inside. The, 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 the question is, like, when is Tyler Larson coming back? I mean, he's dealing with this Achilles injury. I, I We don't – we've asked a lot about when's Chase Young and Logan Thomas coming back. We have not gotten to Tyler Larson <laughs> at some point here. We, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see what we can do. Um, and, and for what it's worth, Chase Rie obviously is also – we, we've got to we've got to wonder when he's going to come back. I know in March I heard the hope was he could be back by the start of the season, but we'll see. If West Whiter, who's been playing some of that, who's been starting at center while these guys are out, if they decide maybe he can be the backup because he is showing that versatility, that opens up the space perhaps then to keep a, a another guard. Although you said Paul has versatility, but keep a guard over say Larson if he's not healthy. But I think what's interesting to me, Pete, again or interesting being relative. This isn't interesting as going to see Top Gun Maverick. But mentioned they keep their draft picks. Keith Ismail is also here. Now, they've already released Keith Ismail at some point and brought him back, but he was one of their first draft picks, you know, from the first class. So this will be a a, a sort of a head-to-head battle of guys they've drafted to a degree because I don't have him on – I don't have Keith Ismail on the team either. But if they want a true center, then maybe he would get it over Chris Paul. So, like – it's i don't know if interesting is the right way to describe this this upcoming battle but i do think <laughs> but but i do think at some point what happens at center is case Rui ready to go how confident do they feel with schweitzer do they, would they rather go with keith, keith ismail thus keeping somebody else i, I think that's going to be interesting to see we'll have to learn more from rivera about what's up with those two injured centers yes i want to correct something paul never played center in college had played both tackle spots both guard spots um but the versatility, of course, matters. And yeah, I was looking at Keith Ishmael as you were talking because I felt like I remembered him getting cut. So when that happens once, that's a, a slight demerit, even though he played for this team during its winning streak, when the top guys went down, Schweitzer, Larson, Rouillet. Still, that sticks in the back of your mind. And the recent draft pick status, always, always helpful when it comes down to cut down day. Yeah, we're, we're trying our best here. We're breaking down Chris Paul versus Keith Ishmael. If you live and breathe this organization, then I feel like you're you're somewhat enjoying this, I hope. Oh, I mean, come on. Look, yeah, if you're if you're if you're into this stuff the way we are, then this is like, you know, this is some good catnip because who's who else is talking about this nonsense? I, I mean that with love. You, you got to have 53 guys on the team. We saw last year crazy, you know, whatever it is, injuries, pandemic, alien abduction, things are going to happen and you're going to need the backups. Um, of course, and I guess you should clarify, there's a the practice squad's huge. Some of these guys we're going to talk about won't be gone. They'll be just over on the practice squad and can be called up, and we get that. But, you know, we're trying to figure out who the team is going to be, so that's how we're doing this. All right, so I think we're both saying Chris Paul is 53, not say la vie. Yes. Fantastic. All right, let's go with somebody who people have heard of a little bit more. Running back Jared Patterson who, of course, made the team last year, was on the team all year. It was a weird bit. He was an undrafted free agent who was automatically like on the 53 roster the second they signed him. It was like kind of a lock. And, of course, it's a little bit different now because they draft Brian Robinson in the third round, having already – or with already uh, Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick as the headliners. Absolutely a world you can keep four running backs, but – it's going to get challenging. There's a lot of tight ends on this group. They kept four last year. Last year, they kept, what, seven receivers at, at points. Um, even if they go down to six, it's hard to then, you know, keep all these skilled players. And that's not even factoring in just, you know, do you want to keep a 10th defensive lineman or, or whatever? 
So I don't think, I think Jared Patterson oddly has a tougher road to make the team this year than he did last year when he came in immediately to make the team. So where are you at here? Jared Patterson, 53 or say la vie. Jared Patterson is a say la vie for me. Um, I think he's the classic case of a player who on a weaker roster sneaks on and is a pleasant story. And he was second on the team in carries last year. That was largely because McKissick got hurt and missed those final games in November and December. But, but Patterson had 68 carries. He had the game against the Eagles. I think it was the second to last game of the year where he scored the touchdown on the first drive, racked up a decent amount of yards and looked like an NFL running back. But I'm just Brian Robinson drafting. I think just is very simple. He's in Patterson's out. It's going to be Gibson McKissick Robinson and Patterson can be a practice squad guy where he gets let go and you can find someone like him at free agency any time you want, any day of the week, any hour, any minute, there are plenty of players like him. So I know he's local and I know he's smaller and he's very easy to root for. And he was a humble dude. He was cool to talk to, but it's just, this is 2022 commanders, not the 2021 football team. And there isn't room for someone like Patterson. Right. And yeah, if we were doing, if we were making roster predictions based on who everybody wants to stay, no, this is a no brainer. Like you said, local kid, everybody reached for the small guy. You know, his college story was great, all that stuff. But when you draft a Brian Robinson in the third round with the other two dudes there, I mean, obviously, you know, again, we're, 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 we don't know how injuries work, so we're not going to factor that in. But it's hard to see how it, how it makes any real sense. And by the way, like, even on top of that, Curtis Samuel is going to be in the backfield, presumably, right? That's going to be some extra touches there. So it, it's just hard to see how this works out where Jared Patterson makes a team outside of injuries or, or something like that, but uh, you know, a great practice squad candidate um, uh, and all that. And by the way, the fact that he, you know, not a single player on this team last year, other than Deandre Carter returned kicks also like, doesn't help. Like if we, if it would be one thing to be like, Hey, he did return kicks, but he didn't even do that last year in, in a real game. So we can't even go there. All right. So we're both going say la vie on Jared Patterson in, ter- in terms of the 53 he will always be in everybody's, you know, hearts in this town forever, regardless. But uh, uh, yeah, by the way, real quick, I want to see, can you spell say la vie and oh. get the apostrophe placement correct? I want to see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I, I was, uh, I was, I was, uh, I pulled out a Google doc earlier to take some notes and I wrote 53 or say la vie, but I have no, I know S I S I E. You're you're yeah. already down the wrong path. Yeah, I, I got no idea. Squirm what is it? Even more. What it's is actually it? C apostrophe oh. E S T space L A space V I E. So that is a that's an unfair question, but I wanted to see. Look, I, I know you're a very cultured man. I wanted to see how well you're up on your French, and the answer is not well at all. And I don't blame you because neither am I. Yeah. No. Not great. Um. Not not. Not not great. I mean, now that you, once you said, it, I was like, oh yeah, dummy. Of course, you've seen this a hundred times, but yeah, it's not it's not a it's not part of my vernacular I use in the athletic much or on texts or anything <laughs> along, along, along those lines. Plus, like you know how like you know none of us remember anybody's phone number anymore because it's just there. That's how I am. I think spelling I've gotten progressively worse because everything corrects it for you. You know, spell check. I mean, I, yeah. I try to be a, a functional human, but. I, I don't know. I, I missed that hey, one. We're all trying to be functional humans. It's uh, not always what happens, but it's a good goal to strive for on a daily basis. 
Absolutely. All right, let's go for so we, so far we've hit a guy that was on the team and a rookie. Let's go for an undrafted free agent uh, from this year's class, Jaquiz Ezard. He's a wide receiver returner specialist who's you know really he's one of these kinds of guys that will be a preseason darling, assuming he's you know given some opportunities to get out there you know, really quick, fast. Uh, he'll he'll be a, you know the water bug type guy out there that can you know in that in second half of a game perhaps you know, really, really turn some heads. And that punt returner position is open right now. I don't don't know who it's going to be. And even at receiver, right, you've got the top five guys, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, uh, Jahan Dodson, Cam Sims, Deami Brown. After that, there's some other names. Maybe they're probably ahead of Ezra, but there's, I wouldn't say anybody's a lock. So there's, I think, at least one spot's open. Based on that, Jaquiz Ezra. 53 or say la vie it's oh i made him pause well yeah this one it shouldn't be difficult because we're talking about freaking jaquiz ezard but the return aspect makes me tilt my head and my body one inch towards 53 because i know they have john dots in there but until they actually put their first round pick back to return punts I'm going to assume that they don't look, no matter how skilled he is, it's just always dicey to put a guy, especially at his size um, in those situations, expose him to more hits. So that could be a situation where maybe they put him there uh, like a Deshaun Jackson, like when they need a big play, like the Chiefs do a Tyreek Hill at times. But uh, I just know that this team has been sort of has treated the return positions as sort of a, all right, you just go back there, catch the ball and hang on. And that's what they have with Dax Milne, Danny Johnson. They lost DeAndre Carter, who had the real background at doing so. So I do think there's a bit of an opening for someone to return kicks and punts, catch some eyes in August. And I, like you said, I could see him being the third and fourth quarter guy who gets five catches for 60 yards and maybe has a nine yard touchdown and has people scrambling to Google him during the, uh, the preseason contest. So again, I don't think it's going to be because he makes a huge difference on offense. But Nate Katzer, every once in a while, gets a couple of players on cutdown day that he gets to argue for, and I could see Ezra being the guy that's on his list. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Isaiah, right, special teams is always a huge factor when we're talking about the guys at the bottom here and at the bottom of the 53. Uh, Isaiah Wright made the team a couple of years ago as a special, primarily as a special teams guy, but a receiver is sort of a standard position. Yeah, I, again, so for those who are wondering, the special teams component is not really a big deal at this stage, they, I mean, I didn't even notice yeah. if they were returning kicks yesterday. They did in um, in week one, and Ezra was back there along with Dax Milne, Jahan Dotson, and Alex Erickson, who is the vet in this group. Um, I think he's probably – it's hard to say. Like, Dax Milne was already here, so keep the guys here. That seems like an easy call. Erickson's the vet. You know what's weird? Just to sort of sidetrack us here, because that's what I do. I was bizarre to me that they didn't keep DeAndre Carter considering he ultimately didn't get any money. And was, I thought not only was he effective as a re- returner, but obviously down the stretch, he was a pretty decent receiver. He had that one big drop on the Kyle Island pass in that Dallas game, but otherwise, you know, for what it is, he was pretty good. I'm, I have kind of wondered if maybe he wanted more receiving opportunities and he was the one who was like, not, who was less interested, but he and Erickson more or less signed for the same money. So kind of surprising me that they didn't try to keep Carter for that in that case. Um, 
there's a lot happening when we're at OTAs. Did you notice Erickson catching a lot of passes? I, I sometimes have to look at the number, uh, the yes. roster number for, because they have the commander's names, as, as people have probably heard by now, on the back of the jerseys. So you couldn't quite always know who's who. But I kept noticing, I think what I kept noticing him making one catch after another uh, for, for, for times there in practice. So that stood out. I'll, I'm going to say he's the sixth guy, which would mean, therefore, for me, I'm going to go um, say la vie for Ezra, but not disagreeing with anything you've said about why you think, sure, he, he, he could be a guy. The sun was not playing tricks on you. Erickson was making a lot of catches, um, and he's someone who I've had to check the roster on numerous times. He looks really, really short out there, and the first time I saw him, I was like, what season ticket holder are they letting wear a jersey and play football with these guys? And then I realized, oh, that's Alex Erickson. They they made a point of getting him. I'm with you on DeAndre Carter, but that's in the past, and we're looking forward here on the Standing Room Only podcast. Regardless, the Ericksons, the Milnes, those guys, if they want to have a return specialist, just feel like the boring catch it, get tackled up to three yards. Sure, maybe they won't fumble it, but Ezard has the background from Sam Houston State. He was – a difference maker in that aspect. So maybe he can rip off a couple and start to separate himself and make it one of those where it's impossible not to keep him because he just produced so much in the summer. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's also an interesting reminder of kind of how they've reshaped the receiver room. Not that the sixth guy is somebody you're counting on to be in the rotation anyway, but the way it's been the last few years, other than Terry McLaurin, it's kind of like, all right, I don't know. Anybody else could emerge as that player. Again, DeAndre Carter was catching a bunch of passes. Cam Sims, it's not like he made the opening roster, uh, you know, last year. And then he, uh, you know, becomes somebody who's, who's, who's contributing as he's had in, in recent years. This year, it's pretty locked in. The top five are pretty set. And other than sort of gauging where's De'Ami Brown going to do after a frustrating rookie year, you feel pretty good about that room. I mean, you never know for rookies, but Dodson's look very sharp. Uh, obviously so far so it says something that the sixth guy is if assuming it's only six is literally the punt returner more than he is actually in the mix to be a receiver which is a good thing hypothetically mm-hmm. sure that's that's always the issue with these battles is you're spending a lot of time thinking about them and writing about them and agonizing over your projections and then they're gone by week three when the left guard gets hurt and they have to sign another one so um, but regardless, it makes for good June conversations between friends on Zoom. And uh, I love watching the receivers and I always have and I always will. And it's fun to uh, follow who's tracking up and, and or who's trending up and who's trending down. Um, agreed. All right. I got one here. This one may be obvious. I don't know. We'll see what you think. The defensive line is kind of a hodgepodge once you get past the obvious four guys. Look, I mean, and I, you know, and then of course, you know, Fedarian Mathis is going to make the team as a second round pick. And, you know, you can maybe assume F.A. Obata, maybe because he was a vet that they that they added. And you've got James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill were the two guys that started when Chase Young and Montez Sweat were, were hurt last year. Um, and 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 then there's even some other fringy guys like Boonmi Rattini, William Bradley King, um, and then Daniel Wise inside. So they have a lot of random pieces, but the guy I haven't said yet who we'll, we'll, we'll throw in here to this game is Shaka Tony. Now he made the team last year straight out as a seventh round pick. And there's no real reason to say he wouldn't be back, but Pete, here's sort of my, not, I'm not stating my claim yet. However, let's just say they keep 10 defensive linemen in total. Okay. 
Chase Young, Montez Sweat, John Allen, Deron Payne, that's four. Mathis is five. I'm going to say James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill, just based on where they were last year in the mix. Uh, that gets you to, what, seven? Um, uh-huh. Daniel Wise, I mean, you got to have another defensive tackle, so I'm going to put him in there for now. They signed Obata. We know the whole Carolina deal. And then that leaves – and that's a, that's assuming we get to 10. That That's nine. So we'd have to go to 10 to get Tony, but that doesn't even include, I said, Rutimi and William Bradley King, who had some moments last year. I don't know. Maybe this is the year David Bada finally uh, goes from the international player pathway program to the fifth to the real fifty three. Uh, you know, and of course, you know, we don't know what other positions. You know, are they going to want to keep that fourth running back or something else in lieu of a tenth defensive lineman? So Shaka Tony could be higher in the rotation, or I don't know. Maybe he's in the mix to be gone. So where are you on this fifty three or say la vie on Shaka Tony? I'm rather comfortable putting him on the fifty three. Um, I am annoyed that they didn't do more defensive end, just like I am annoyed that they didn't do more at linebacker. The fact that it's still Montez and Chase and then just whoever is able to put his shoes on and his helmet on and get on the field to give him some breath is uh, a bit confusing. I thought they would get that veteran guy like a Justin Houston or or someone else, Melvin Ingram, so they could really get um, a third defensive end who can who can still pitch in and then one of those guys gets hurt can be a reliable starter. When I'm watching Obata, I've seen him at defensive tackle a decent amount. He's huge. He doesn't look like, like he's really tall. He doesn't look like he'd fit in there, but they haven't been afraid to kick him inside so far. So that gives me a little more confidence that they're going to at least maybe have him do both of those roles and therefore opens up a spot for a Shaka Tony. I think if I'm Daniel Wise, I don't like seeing Obata line up inside. And if I'm Shaka Tony, I'm cool with it. And to me, I think, and this is such a random pairing to have an opinion on, but I think Tony is better than William Bradley King. I think he has a little more of that natural burst off the edge as opposed to Bradley King, who maybe seems like he's more of a, a pusher and has a little more strength. But Tony, I could see sort of, sneaking up on people and becoming that fourth rusher uh, ahead of two hill next to Obata. And then if Obata is playing more inside with James Smith Williams. So to me, Shaka Tony put his, put his nameplate up on his locker. Now that man is ready to play in week one. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue against anything you just said, especially since again, he's the one that made the team last year. William Bradley King was drafted ahead of him but didn't make it. Now he did come back later in the year and I thought he had some good work and Boomi Rattini, um, don't We won't ask Rivera to say his name. <laughs> you know, he had some productive pass rushing as well. And, and this is the thing about, you know, what, what, what all this off season work is not just for us, but for the coaches to see which of these sort of marginal random players takes the step and gets from borderline 53 player roster to, somebody that they feel that they, they, they really need to keep, you know, not to, uh, well, actually I'll, I'll bring up another guy here in a second for this game, but, um, but yeah, I think that, I mean, I would say, yes, I'll go with you Shaka Tony on the 53, but I do think there's a decent amount of wiggle room only because of the unknown. I just, we need to see more, you know, for the linemen in particular in this, no pads, no real, you know, they're not really doing a ton out here. It's hard to evaluate too much about what's going on, at least from the layman perspective. So I just think it's going to be an interesting one. There's a lot of random pieces in there. I mean, really get past Mathis and maybe Smith Williams. And you could kind of talk me into a lot of different combinations there, but who makes a team 
So I'll agree, shock Tony on the 53, but I do think that there's some movement here, potential movement. By the way, they tried this week or this past week to pick up uh, John Kaminsky off of waiver from the Falcons, at least an indication that he's a defensive end, an indication that they're still open to bringing in guys and that they're maybe not completely comfortable with what they have in the room. Yeah, um, and, and Chase Young's availability is certainly going to be a storyline. Maybe he's not around for week one, and Tony's a guy that can hold down the fort or at least try to hold down the fort in his absence. And just like the offensive line, D-line is one of those spots that maybe there's just attrition uh, during training camp. So it could just be whoever is healthiest at the end. Maybe someone turns an ankle, pulls a groin, has a hamstring problem, whatever, and that knocks a, a player out of the race and gives life to another. So um, those two spots in particular, like you said, very murky, very crowded. And it's, I think it's all, they're all on even ground and it's just time to perform. There's not a ton of uh, uh, like draft pick favoritism. I think it's going to be meritocracy based and go get the quarterback. And if you do, we'll give you a jersey. Um, if I have to give you an injury, do you want to turn an ankle, uh, pull, pull a groin or tweak your hamstring? Well, watching Curtis Samuel's groin pull last year, that looked like the worst thing ever because he could never come back. So I'm going to skip that. I've never pulled a hamstring. I've turned my ankle a bunch. And when it happens and it's really bad, it makes you want to puke. And I hate it. And that's why I wear double ankle braces when I play basketball or do other physical activity, even though it sounds sort of like an old man thing to wear. I trust them. So I'm going to say, pull my hamstring. I'll be gimpy. I'll be lame. But I'd rather have that than some ankle problems. I'm with, yeah, the ankle sucks. <laughs> it's, this is no, there's no antibiotics. Yeah, right. I don't have a direct comparison. I'll go with the hamstring as well. The ankle sucks. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had like Charlie horses in, uh, a bunch of my life. So I feel like, I feel like I'm, that's not, that's not exactly a hamstring, but I feel like it's a, some general kind of range. That's more the calf. That was know. my, that was that was the best question you've asked so far in this podcast. I mean, I've enjoyed talking the commanders position battles, but hypothetical injury talk is really really doing it for me. <laughs> that's, that's that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm here for. Um, all right. So, well, I I, I I have a new name for this game. I just thought about while we were playing this. This is I don't know why I didn't think of this one earlier because this guy is the classic fifty three or say la vie for this group, and that is none other than safety Jeremy Reeves, who is somehow a fan favorite yet has never really made the team straight out right he's always looks like he's doing a good job there's not some sort of quasi opportunity he lands on the practice squad he hangs out there for most of the year we hear Ron Rivera say he's putting in all the hard work he's doing good things doesn't promote him then injuries happen then he plays seems like he's doing a reasonable job and then we're back to the same situation the next year the safety room is both open and not open right now you have of course the two starters in bobby mccain and cam curl they drafted percy butler in the fourth round they also drafted Derek forrest in the fifth round and uh, don't go crazy people troy apke has been playing with the safeties again he's ultimately special teams more than he is the, the, the specific position but you know possibly he could be the fourth safety if they only want to keep so many and then there's jeremy reeves so there's an opportunity, and yet the history is kind of what it is. So for you, Jeremy Reeves, 53, or say la vie. You're right. He epitomizes this. Um, I'm going to put Jeremy Reeves, say la vie. Jeremy leaves is what I might be calling him <laughs> by the time cuts come down. There's a log jam here behind the starting safeties of, like, 
They could be your third or fourth guy. They're also going to be special teamers and Derek Forrest, Percy Butler, Troy Aki. Butler's going to be on the squad. So that's your third spot. So to me, it's more Forrest versus Reeves. I think Aki's just sort of, it's window dressing at this point. They're giving him uh, some time to run around before probably ending his tenure with the team. He got such a cheap deal this year. And if you have to keep moving someone around, trying all these different positions, and then you put him back at his old position, I think that just means he's a failure everywhere. I think they finally wake up and do something about that. Reeves, though, he certainly certainly seems to make plays, but not enough. It, it's, it's odd that Rivera is so complimentary of him, but so hesitant to really commit to him. I think Forrest uh, will be the fourth guy, and he's got the, the youth and the better ties to this regime. So Jeremy Reeves, uh, fun on Twitter, fun to chat with. He's always doing bits and scrums and like holding the camera and, and asking players questions from behind us. So entertaining, but I don't feel good about his future here. You know, interestingly, I feel like Derek Forrest, if Derek Forrest, the special teams player, does enough to make Nate Katz or, and potentially think that they he's got a guy there that he can maybe focus on the way they've been kind of going, focusing on with, with, with Apke, maybe actually bumps Apke off the roster altogether. But if he either doesn't make the 53 himself or isn't being viewed in that way, then maybe a guy like Apke ends up staying uh, because, you know, Look, Pete's a noted film watcher, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm watching Troy Apke racing down the field on kick returns with every rep. But clearly they like him and from the, in that role. So that's why he's been sticking around. And just like, you know, they kept the Jared Norris's and the Jordan Kudasek's of the world. Like those guys exist. We just make a bigger deal because of his uh, original draft status. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I'll say say la V. I, I will be interested to see like Derek Force has had some up and down moments so far, I thought, in camp. Um, he didn't play a ton last year. This could be another position where they maybe ultimately look to add somebody, but at the moment, that's the group. And even with that, even with the somewhat limited options, I would still say with Reeves, um, say la vie. Um, I, we could keep playing this game forever, but you know, I, you, you got to go back to living life. So I'll ask you this. I'm sort of springing this on you. Is there a 53 or say la vie of a player who we do talk about? Who could end up, if you had to, in other words, who is like a potential surprise cut for you at this point? I'm going to filibuster here so you can like think about this. Because ultimately, in order for for some random person to somewhat make the team, right? Then somebody else is going to have to go. And, you know, Shaka Tony would not necessarily be a big shocker, but he was on the team last year um, when I I mentioned him. You know, I, I think the tight end room, I wouldn't say Samus Reyes would be like a massive shock. But again, he made the team last year. Um, and now you look at that room, Curtis Hodges is a player we've talked about here. Logan Paulson has, has mentioned him a bunch as a, as a potential sleeper. You got Antonio Gandy-Golden now in that in that room. So that's another guy. I, I wouldn't say Tyler Larson is a big shocker, but you know maybe that is the best answer you have. And he was somebody we talked about um, earlier as well. Uh, the, the, those, are, those are some names to consider. Did I give you enough time to contemplate an answer? <laughs> Yes, you did. Thank you. That was a really admirable job stalling. And I wish my answer was sexier, but this feels like a pretty cut and dry group. The starters are very clearly the starters. Then you have a lot of younger backups who maybe have disappointed in the past, but are going to get chances like a Deami Brown, etc. So I think the biggest name, like Danny Johnson, 
Um, I know he's got the return ability. I know he made some plays last year in terms of uh, when William Jackson went down and uh, the secondary got a little thin and he came in and was making a couple of tackles for loss. He had some pass breakups. Ron Rivera praised him for making a play a week, but uh, the cornerback after the starters, like a lot of these positions on defense just feels like four or five guys who are sort of similar. And Danny Johnson they, they took Christian Holmes, maybe another corner shakes free with another team. Uh, I saw on their Instagram today that, um, let me find his name real quick. Josh Drayden had a pick six. And as stupid as it is, watching someone have a pick six on the team Instagram sticks with me. And sure, coaches made a tiny little note in their notebooks about that. So Danny Johnson would be the biggest. I think Samus Reyes certainly is on there. And I guess if those are your biggest cuts, then it should be an easy job for the 53 roster projection guys to, to handle it. But maybe it suggests that the depth on this team isn't as stout as you'd like it to be in year three, because you want to be cutting better players as opposed to all right, Danny Johnson, uh, Samus Reyes, uh, uh, this lineman. So um, maybe, maybe someone really surprises me, but so far I don't see it happening. I mean, what's amazing is this game was going to be called Lloyd Carrington or Danny Johnson. And glad we didn't do that because you just date, you just Lloyd Carrington, Danny Johnson. You just said, yeah, the, the guy we're saying who's making the team is that um, I, I keep thinking again, I've all the defensive levels. They probably need to add more because of kind of what you just said, like after the top three corners, I don't quite feel that comfortable at any of it. I would keep Danny Johnson at this point. I thought he was fairly credible last year when when um, when he started to play about halfway through the year it gives him a, a slot option um you know they again they used benjamin st juice in slot the other day um which was interesting as a, as a tall six foot three receiver bobby mccain told us he's expected to get some work in there as well again it's a lot of mixing and matching but until they add more i'm gonna think danny johnson maybe stays but sure i mean you could talk me into a bunch of different things um i had christian holmes as my last corner so josh drayden could be um, there as, as, as well, uh, just to, just to pick somebody to, to not leave, leave you hanging out the dry. Um, I mean, we already mentioned Patterson, so I'll skip him, but I, I think, I don't know, Samus Reyes. I mean, it's not that, yeah, the, the, all, everything that happened last year remains the same intriguing athlete, huge dude, the, you know, that we've all seen the IG pictures, the muscles, all that, but he just doesn't have the experience. And even a guy like Gandy golden new to the position has played football his whole life. A guy like Curtis Hodges was a pretty productive player at Arizona state. He's going to have more experience at that spot than Reyes. And again, I think my only question with Reyes would be, can he make the 53 or can he, sorry, can he make the practice squad? Cause I know there were other teams interested and somebody else might say, yeah, we'll roll the dice. Cause we're in the spot Washington was in last year. That would be my only question for him, but I'll go for Reyes for now. Barring, um, barring that. A very, very tiny footnote, but Reyes hasn't participated in OTAs. He's been on the side. I don't think we've gotten an injury designation about him yet. Uh, PR was going to ask about him on Wednesday, and I don't know if they ever followed up with us. But regardless, the more time he spends on the sideline is the more time for Hodges to make an impression on new tight ends coach Juan Castillo. It's time for AGG to get extra snaps and learn about the intricacies of the spot. So, yeah, he is so interesting has so much personality and is a really really motivational dude and he's jacked as hell and i'm sure he can like work as an inline blocker but 
the lack of awareness and pass catching and, and running routes was plainly obvious as a rookie for him to be expected, but um, he's got to make serious strides. And right now he can't even make a stride because he's injured. All good points for sure. Uh, he is at Pete Haley, NBCS. That's a long one. Pete Haley, NBCS. Go listen to the Washington football talk podcast. Uh, Pete is always doing a good job over there. He should write more long form stories, but I'm not his editor. So that's up to you guys. Um, I appreciate it, man. As always, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you out there in a couple of days. Thank you. And yeah, uh, when we turn this into a board game and it becomes the next monopoly, let's split those profits right down the middle, please. Deal sold. All right. Many thanks to Pete Haley for his time. Thanks to everyone for checking out the podcast. Um, and uh, that's it. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See ya.